on Friday, which we call Good Friday, it's probably the worst day for Jesus' followers, those who were closest to him. They had very high hopes of what it would mean to walk with Jesus. They saw miracles. They heard amazing teaching. They saw him be able to confront and refute the powers that be in that day. And yet, the end that they anticipated was not the end that came, and that was a death on a cross. Jesus was crucified on a Friday, and the Sabbath for the Jews runs from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, so they needed to get him off the cross, along with the other two criminals crucified with him, and placed in a tomb before the sun went down on Friday so that the Sabbath could be observed. So from Friday night and then when you come to Saturday, the day of Saturday, for the disciples it would be safe to say that Saturday was a day of no courage, no hope, no plan. Judas responded to his grief and sense of shame at betraying Jesus by going out and hanging himself. Peter, his closest disciple, had denied him in the courts of the high priest three times, just as Jesus said he would do. And so on Saturday, imagine now Peter, left with his shame, left with his embarrassment and and his denial of his Lord and of Jesus, just as he said he would do on Saturday. What a desperate and awful day that Saturday had to be for him and all the others who now were just left reeling over the death of Jesus Christ, the one that they had followed as their Lord and teacher. It was desperation day for all of them. They found themselves hiding because they were afraid of the Jews that would follow, follow them and find them. And perhaps if they were captured, the same fate would fall upon them as fell upon Jesus that they would be crucified, imprisoned, killed. It was all gone. Everything that had happened over these last three years, it was all over. Other people got up on Saturday morning who were part of these festivities in Jerusalem. And they were hopeful for a time, the ones who were welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, hoping to get some relief from the Roman oppression that they were under. But they had a little bit different day on this desperation Saturday. They just went back to the lives that they were living, which were rather mundane lives. For the disciples, they had left everything to follow Jesus, everything, so they had no place to go. Henry David Thoreau made this quote that's been repeated many times. This is what he said. The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. What does quiet desperation look like? 
It's not outwardly desperate, but it is inwardly desperate, like millions of people walking around in our world today. It's pretending that all is well, but in turmoil and questioning everything. Every day, get up, survive, keep busy. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't think too much. Just live the daily grind. One person quoted it this way. Most people are quietly miserable their whole lives, and they are desperate to change that, but they just never do. If there was ever a day of desperation, this Desperation Saturday was it, because it was all over. No courage, no hope, no plan. But you know what? Quiet desperation, as hard and as difficult as that sounds, is still easier to live that life of quiet desperation because we sleepwalk our way through our lives than it is to believe in something bigger and greater than ourselves that is maybe possibly out there that could mean such a transformation of your life, your viewpoint, all that you know and understand about this world and about your purpose here. It is somewhat easier to live a life of quiet desperation than to actually open up your heart and your mind and come to a place where you have faith in God, faith in a resurrection, faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, and she was really the first one who went. We know from the scripture that Mary Magdalene was a very troubled person when she came across Jesus. She had been afflicted with seven demons. I don't know what those seven demons were, but the word seven is such a complete turn in the Bible that you could simply say that she was completely afflicted, this woman. Whatever it was, paranoia, depression, suicidal, addicted, lost, we don't know everything that she was, but she was certainly emotionally disabled, and the people around her avoided her. Everyone did, everyone except Jesus. And so Jesus became her friend. And she buried the only person on Friday and went to embalm him on Saturday, the only person who had ever helped her in her whole life. So she went to a tomb expecting to embalm Jesus because they had to bury him so quickly, not even thinking about how the tomb would, the stone would be rolled away. When she got there and saw the empty tomb, it wasn't the empty tomb that changed her. She saw the empty tomb and she began to weep. She began to cry because she didn't know where Jesus had been taken, his body. And there were some angels that were there and even the angels that spoke to her that were there to assure her that he wasn't there, that he was alive, it still didn't connect with her. And then she heard the voice of someone she thought was a gardener behind her. And she still, that still didn't connect with her until he called her name, Mary. And then she knew. Her eyes were open. And she believed. Jesus went on to appear to 
each of the disciples, sometimes in groups, sometimes as individuals. But it came down to a one-by-one belief that Jesus was alive. Thomas wouldn't believe. Even though everyone else's testimony said he was alive and they had seen him, Thomas said, unless I put my hand in, fingers in his hand and my hands fist in his side, I will not believe, and Jesus appeared to him. And he believed. But then Jesus went on and he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Some people even though Jesus rose from the dead on that Sunday, are still stuck on Saturday. The clock stopped. The calendar stopped. Everything is stuck for you. You are still stuck on Saturday in your life. Most of you are aware that after almost 17 years here of leading community church, that I will be finishing my term here by choice. We're going to stay in the community. Felt like God was leading us to lay this off now and do something else. June 30th. So I've asked myself if this is my last Easter message here with you. What are some things I would certainly like for you to know? The Holy Spirit's first work in our lives to draw us to God is to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. He convicts us of sin in the sense of saying that we are all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There isn't a one of you in here today that can claim you are sinless. Not one. You compare yourselves to other people sometimes and think you're pretty good. But honestly, the truth is we're all in the same boat, and that boat is a sinking ship. He also convicts of righteousness, and that is that there is a righteous standard, a holiness that God sets that we cannot reach apart from a Savior, Jesus Christ, who bridged that gap by his death on the cross for us that we might have forgiveness of sins. Not anything that we can earn, not anything that we have done, not anything that we deserve. It's called grace, which means unmerited favor. The third aspect of the conviction of the Holy Spirit is judgment. There are a lot of books that have been written about the fact that heaven is for real. Not very many bestsellers have been written with the title, Hell is for Real. For a reason. We don't like to consider that fact. But one day, all of us are going to die. And we will face a judgment before a holy God. And when you appear before God in the end of your life, and he asks you, why should you be a part of my eternal kingdom? You can't bring to him your baked cookies for your neighbor. That's a good deed. It's wonderful that you do that, and it changes our lives, and we should help one another out. But that's not what does it. Jesus is the only answer that we have. 
You are stuck in desperation Saturday if you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Jerry Lodato is here. She has hope and glory. Hi, Jerry. Let me tell you something. Jerry, I got a new plaque for you that you can sell in your shop. This plaque would say one word that would say it all as we're sitting here on Easter Sunday. You know what that plaque would say? That plaque would say Sunday. Sunday. The calendar is turned up in heaven because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead and his death on the cross. Sunday, every day is Sunday because of the resurrection of Christ. That would be a great conversation starter. Why do you have that plaque there that says Sunday? Well, let me tell you, I am living in Sunday. I am not stuck in Saturday. There's desperation on Saturday. There's liberation on Sunday. There's death on Saturday. There's life on Sunday. Who wouldn't want that? It's a free gift from God. Henry David Thoreau said, and he is misquoted with the rest of this quote, the second half, the massive manly lies of quiet desperation, and this is what the second half says, and go to the grave with the song still in them. Don't go to the grave with a song still inside of you, bottled up because you weren't able to believe in the resurrection of Jesus and make the move from Saturday to Sunday. Don't leave a song left bottled up inside of you. Believe in Jesus Christ and be set free. Don't lead a life of quiet desperation and go to your grave with a song still unsung in your heart. Micah 7, 8, and 19, 18 and 19. We're going to bring that verse up. This is out of the Old Testament. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. That's where those sins go. Gone. If you're stuck on Saturday, there is courage, hope, and a plan waiting for you on Sunday. God won't give up on you. He just keeps pursuing. Weeping may go on for a night, but joy comes in the morning. His invitation to you is to move from the day of death to the first day of your life, eternal love, life, and hope. We have one other person here today who came to me. And he said to me this morning that he wants to be baptized. I said, did you bring, do you have anything to change into? Nope. He said, I, I have a testimony to give. Because God has touched my life. And I thought that I knew what that meant. But I'm here today to say, I want, he didn't say this exactly, but I'm going to use it because it's in my sermon. I want Sunday. I want Sunday in my life. I'm stuck. I was stuck in Saturday. I want Sunday in my life. So we're going to stand and sing because he lives, and I'm going to go change out again. And if there's anybody else here today that God's heart is, God is speaking to you, sin, righteousness, judgment, whatever it is, you want to get baptized, I'll baptize you today.
Don't stay stuck in Saturday when Jesus rose from the dead. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us this gift of life that is beyond our ability to explain, our ability to convey to another person. We only know that it's real because you are real within our lives. And I pray for anyone here today who is stuck in desperation Saturday, who has no hope, is stuck in leading a life of desperation, quietly going through their day, day in and day out, not saying anything outwardly. Everything looks good on the outside, but inwardly you know that you are sinking. Jesus has a life for you. It's your choice. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing because he lives.
Fran, we're ready for you, bud. Come on up. I, uh, I just, uh, I have been baptized before, uh, back when I was 18, I, uh, met my wife and, uh, fell in love with her because of the presence that she had inside of her, and, uh, I realized over the course of my life that I fell in love with her, and I spent my life, well, let me step back, you have to, you have to live the life that God created you to live, and not the life that you think someone else wants you to live. And so I've been spending my life doing what I thought I had to do to keep her. And uh, this week, I've kind of hit the bottom of the bottom, and um, I felt like a ball in a pinball machine, and I just wished the game would end. And uh, on Friday, I... uh, I had a great friend, Rob, over there, and uh, he kind of reached his hand out to me and pulled me up. And I realized on Friday night that I've never made Christ the source of my life, and uh, I've always been a hurt and bitter person just trying to look like a guy who has life. And so I uh, fell to the bottom, and Christ met me there, and he told me I needed to let him in, and so I have, and uh, this opportunity came about, and I'm ready. Friend, do you believe Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead? Yes. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what it looks like, friend. I have cards up here for those who uh, were dedicated and were baptized today. They're up here in the front. And uh, may the Lord bless you. We have a great brunch next door. Please go next door. We are going to close this service now. Thank you for being here.